All right. Well, go ahead and take your Bibles out tonight and take, turn it to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 tonight. And this evening, we're looking at obeying God's commands. Obeying God's commands. So Moses on the mountain. Moses is on the mountain tonight. And uh, he's receiving the Ten Commandments. So Exodus chapter 20. And notice what it says in verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of of bondage so God has a message for his people you know when it comes to the good the great rather the ten commandments I think Jesus summed it up pretty good didn't he I mean obviously Jesus Christ the son of God the author of the ten commandments he summed it up best in Mark chapter 30 verses 30 to 31 he said and of course that story is a little background, that story is someone came to Jesus and asked him, what is the number one commandment or what is the, the, kind of, the commandments in a nutshell? And Jesus summed it up when he said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself there is none other commandment greater than these. Obviously, Jesus had a clear understanding of the Ten Commandments and how to apply them to our life. Because as you talk to people, and I'm sure you talk to people and you get talking about salvation, what different people believe about going to heaven, and they start telling you why they think they're going to make it. And how often does someone say, well, I'm obeying the Ten Commandments? Well, obviously, they, have a, they don't really have a good understanding about the Ten Commandments, do they? Because that, we know from Scripture, the Ten Commandments does not produce righteousness in anyone's life. Even though they think it does, it doesn't. Because... The Bible clearly states, if you break one, you broke them all. But what are the Ten Commandments about? Well, that's what we want to look at. Because, again, so many people, they, they think they're worthy, that they are worthy to go to heaven because they keep, you know, the most important ones. <laughs> you know, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't, you know, Whatever. But that's not what it's about, is it? And uh, we're going to see that a little bit here tonight. So tonight, we want to study how the Ten Commandments came to Israel and the regulations that governed them. You know, it was more than just Ten Commandments. As you read that portion of Scripture, uh, Jesus had commandments, the Ten Commandments, but then there were other regulations. There were statutes and judgments that also came that also had, an, a, you know, help regulate the life, all right? all the different scenarios that could happen, and those were a part of that as well, as we kind of say the law, kind of contains in the law. 
And uh, we're going to look at a little bit of that here tonight. So let's get right into it. We see point number one, the mutual commitments. The mutual commitments. And for this, we got to go back one chapter to chapter 19. Uh, before we get into the Ten Commandments, because we find out in chapter 19 that the children of Israel, after they crossed the Red Sea and went to a couple of different places and progressed uh, and received the manna, they, they, God led them to that place. And where is it? Well, notice it says in chapter 19, it says, In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. So this is Mount Sinai, or sometimes you may read in Scripture, it's uh, Horeb, okay? This is, we believe, the same place where Moses saw the burning bush. Okay, and so he's, you know, God has brought Moses full circle. He's brought him back to this place, brought Israel to this place for a purpose. Now, they're going to stay here for just about a year at this place, Sinai. God's going to uh, prepare them. He's going to make a, a covenant with them, and then he's going to go through and, and have the tabernacle made. So they're going to be here for quite a while. But the first thing they're going to do is God's going to make a covenant with them. All right, he's brought them out, and now he's ready to uh, make this agreement with them. Notice in verse 3, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thou shalt say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my command, covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And we see here, letter A, God made a pledge to the people. God made a pledge. So God brings them out, and he's at this place, and he says, I want to make this agreement with Israel, this covenant with them, because I have a plan for them. I want them to be my peculiar treasure or a special possession. All right, they're going to be special. They're going to be special than all the other nations that are going to be around them, the Gentiles. I've called them out, and we're going to, they're going to be my people. And not only that, but they're going to be a holy nation, meaning they're going to represent me. They're going to represent God as his people uh, for that. And so he had these plans for them, uh, for that. We see this in other portions of Scripture. Uh, notice it, turn with, keep your place there in Exodus. We're going to come back there. But go to Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, and notice what it says in chapter 19 and verse 2. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 2, it says, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. So he's called them to holiness. Just another chapter farther, chapter 20 and verse 26. 
Notice what it says. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have served you from other people or severed you from other people that you should be mine. So again, what does holy mean? It means to be set apart, all right? You're taken out and set apart and now you belong to God. They were, so they were gonna be God's people, Israel. And they were to be holy. You know, now, in the New Testament, we're not Israel, but we're still God's people, the church, and he has called us to be holy, to be set apart. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15. It says here, just give you a moment to find that. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15. He says here, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So, he's, so Peter, he's quoting what? He's quoting, most likely, Exodus. All right? That portion of Scripture. And he's making the application, isn't he? All right, you are God's people, therefore we are to be holy. We're to be set apart. And, and uh, we now belong to him. Not only are we set apart to the Lord Jesus, but we need to take the next step and we need to obey his commands. Just like Israel, God's gonna give them some commands. Well, God has given us some commands. And so we're to take the step and we're to also obey God's commands. Turn with me back to John chapter 14, verse 21. John chapter 14 and verse 21. Here are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, all right, just give you a moment to find that. John chapter 14, verse 21 he says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. I think that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know other way to interpret that. Okay, you got, you know, he's called us to be set apart, and we're to obey his commands. And follow him. So God made a pledge to the people. He says, you are to be holy. You're to follow me. And what, are, what did they respond? Let's go back to Exodus. And we see here the people made a pledge to God. And notice what it says in chapter 19 and verse 8. We can even go back to verse 7 if you like. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. So Moses was up on the mountain. He got that, you know, the Lord says, I want to make a covenant with my people. Go back down and tell them. So he got the people together. He said, this is what God wants. God wants to make a, a covenant with us. And what was their response? Well, notice it says in verse 8, And all the people answered together and said, 
So this is everybody that said this. The nation is saying this. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. I think that's pretty straightforward. We will do. Did they do it? <laughs> well, a little while. Here and there. But they said, we'll do it. They, they decided to do it. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. He went back up and he says, all right, we're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to make that covenant. And the people made that pledge to the Lord. And, uh, and, uh, and we see that God's going to ratify uh, this, this covenant with Israel. You know, today people fail to understand that the Ten Commandments are all about a relationship, okay? A relationship to God. Many people think that if they follow the Ten Commandments, they're somehow going to produce some type of righteousness in their life, that they'll earn salvation, but that is not true, the opposite of true. The Ten Commandments, the purpose of those commandments was to tell us we are not worthy of salvation. We are sinners, and we deserve all right, we deserve God's punishment, but it was only because of God's grace that he sent his son to down the cross for our sins. And therefore, since we have broken these, we're going to look at these, we have broken these, Jesus has paid the price. Amen. And so therefore, no one is ever saved. No one receives any righteousness for obeying the commandments. Our righteousness comes from Jesus Christ. It is imputed to us. And if we are righteous in our standing before God, it's only because what we have gotten by grace. Amen. And that's an understanding of, the, of this. And so any righteousness that we get is by salvation because we have received him as Savior, the death, Amen. burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's the, that's the Bible teaching on that. James chapter 2, verse 10 to 11 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law... And yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. And it continues to say, thou art become a transgressor of the law. We are guilty before God. And uh, there's no changing that other than by salvation through Jesus Christ. So that's the mutual commitment. The God wanted to make a covenant with his people. The people said, we will do. That leads us to the second point here tonight, the mighty commandments, the mighty commandments. And so in chapter 19, Moses came down back from the mountain and prepared the people. He said, now listen, we're going to make an agreement with God. You're going to go and you're going to sanctify yourselves for three days. And then you're going to come back to the mountain. You're not going to touch the mountain. You're not going to step foot on the mountain. But you're going to come back to this mountain, and before this mountain, God will come, and we will make a covenant with him. And so this is where we, you know, so the people have come, God has come, and now we see the giving of the Ten Commandments, as we see here. And so we see here, letter A, they listed man's duty to God. All right, they listed man's duty to God. And that's what we see here. So let's take a look at these commandments 
it starts in verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Those are the first four commandments. And those are between man and God. And these four are our duty to God. And what basically is God saying there? God is first. God is first. And he does not share that with anybody or anything. <laughs> I think that's pretty straightforward, right? He's not going to share that place. And he's telling Israel, we're not going to have any idols. Don't make an idol of me because there's nothing on this earth that could ever show any, uh, you know, relate to anything that God is. Nothing can totally show who our God is and all his attributes and all his power and all his glory. There's nothing on this earth. And so God says, we're not gonna have that. So don't make any idols. I'm not gonna share any with any other idols or any false gods. And when you speak in my name, you speak the truth and you don't use my name in any way that is empty or vain, all right, or that's, you know, that's going to bring any ill repute on God. So you're not going to do that. And then you're going to observe the Sabbath day. And that's important. Why? Because God created the earth. And in six days, God created the earth. And on the seventh day, God rested. All right, and so to, to show the nations around you that you, are, you follow the creator, the creator of the earth, you're going to show them, you follow me, you're going to obey me, you're going to rest on the seventh day. Amen. And that was God, that's what God wanted. That was their duty, to do those things that would honor God. And they would be a nation that would uh, be a good witness that would be a light to the nations around them. And so that was their duties to God. Then we see here they listed man's duties to other men. And we pick up here, notice it says in verse 12, okay? Honor thy father and thy mother, that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. 
Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So here we have six commands that's going to regulate how they're going to deal with one another. God was first, and now we're going to show these six rules. And, you know, these rules, these are the basic fundamentals of a godly, law-abiding society. (laughs) These are the basic principles, and we see them still today. They're still around today and in some form or another. And now, I think they're pretty straightforward. I don't think I have to go into a lot of it, <laughs> okay? Uh, they're, they're, we all know what they are. We all know what they mean. And Jesus summed them up, I think, the best way. If you truly love your neighbor as yourself, then you will follow the, these, these commands will be your nature. They'll be, you know, the same nature that we have. We will follow them. Amen. And we won't even know we're following them. If we truly love each other. And nine of these commandments have been repeated to us in the New Testament. So there's, you know, there's, and actually, some of them have been stepped up to a higher level of standard. For example, Jesus said, thou shalt not kill, all right? That was the law. But Jesus said, listen, if you have a bad thought or you're angry at your brother because he's offended you or vice versa, you are guilty because it's in your heart. And that's where it begins. So he even took that, this, this standard, this law, and he raised it to a higher level saying, listen, you didn't commit murder when you killed him. You committed murder when you hated him and began to think about it and premeditate it. So that's a higher standard. Now, the question is, how can we, as Christians today, how can we live better than them? Are we better than the Old Testament saints? No. We're not. We're people. We're, we're flesh and blood. We're sinners, just like they were. But how are we able to hold to a higher standard? Well, it's obviously because of Jesus Christ Amen. and the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to follow these commands, even at a higher standard today than even back then. And it's not our power, it's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that rules and reigns within us. And uh, that's how we're gonna do that. That's how we follow them. And he, he, he gives us that ability to do that. But we see here these duties, these duties to one another. And of course, if we love each other, truly love one another, then we will do that. And then we see point number three, the moral codes, the moral codes. And those codes 
are found in chapters 21 to 23. And we don't have time to read through all those tonight. Maybe you want to take some time and read through that. You can do it while I'm speaking. Go ahead. Uh, read through some of them if you want to. But these are codes. These are regulations to deal with certain things that come up in life that the, you know wasn't defined in the Ten Commandments. And there are different ones that come up. So let's see here. We see letter A, the precepts were revealed. The precepts were revealed. And again, we don't have time to read, so I'll just, sometimes if you have a Bible like mine, it gives you some headings in your Bible. Kind of defines the subject matter. So if you might have some of those in your Bible. If you do, you can follow along a little bit and find out where these uh, precepts are found. But some, you know, one of the codes, the moral codes that, that God addressed was how are you going to handle or how are you going to treat Hebrew slaves? Okay, so, you know, here's a, you know, talking about slavery. And how are you going to treat a brother, a brother, a Hebrew brother or a Hebrew sister? How are you going to treat them and be fair with them? And so God gave some regulations on what they, you could do and you couldn't do. They had certain rights. And he developed that. What are you going to do about capital punishment? How are you going to, you know, who, who is to die and, you know, who's to be given leniency? All right? So he talked about those things, those types of rules uh, for that. Uh, what about restitution for damaged property? Someone damages your property or someone... You know, uh, he talked about if uh, your ox is out and it falls into your neighbor's hole, all right? And he, and he was obligated to cover it up, and he didn't cover it up. So what's going to happen? It killed your ox. So there were some regulations that dealt that. How are they going to do with that? And what about if you hurt somebody? What if your ox gored somebody and killed them or hurt them? And you didn't, you didn't know your ox was to do that. Well, there was, some, there was some regulations. But if you knew you had a ox that did that, had done it in the past, and you didn't take care of that and properly pinned him up or exterminate him, then there was a penalty for that. So these are things that they dealt with. What about uh, proper justice for criminals? What happens if someone accidentally kills somebody? All right, it's not premeditated murder, but an accident happens. What can they do? All right, that's what it talks about uh, going to a city of refuge. All right, and so Israel had 12 cities of refuge, six on each side of the Jordan River. What about laws of truthfulness? What happens when you go to court and you take, and someone says, hey, if you'll say this for me and make the judgment towards my way, I'll give you some money. Well, that, no, that's wrong. All right, that's wrong. You're, when you get up and you speak in court or you're under oath, you're to speak the truth and be honest uh, about that. And then regulations for Sabbath rest, all right, what you can do and can't do uh, for that. So these were regulations that they had for everyday life, things that would come up 
for them to know how to uh, handle certain situations. Now today, we are not under the Old Testament. We are living under the New Testament. However, some of these principles apply. And even in a safe and a, uh, you know, some, even in our own laws and regulations that we have, we can find some of these things uh, so that we can have a safe and honest society. And we need to be honest with others. We need to treat people fairly. Now, we don't have slaves today, but we have employers and employees. And so the employer needs to be honest and treat his employees properly. And employees need to be honest and uh, treat their employees properly as well. So many of these principles uh, can be related today. Probably the one that's the most probably maybe on your mind is why don't we worship on Sabbath? We don't do that anymore. Okay, that's the Old Testament. Well, number one, we're not commanded to do that in the New Testament. Another reason is because the early church recognized that when Jesus arose from the grave and the church came into being, it was a new. It was a new time. It was a new dispensation. And they said, we're, in, we're under the new covenant. And therefore, we're going to worship on Sunday the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, Sunday. And that was the day they worshipped. They worshipped together. And they understood that. And that was something that we do different. We're not under the Sabbath. And we don't observe the Sabbath as the church. Okay? Now, I know some denominations do. Okay? And uh, you may run across somebody that does and you may have arguments with them and you know or try to understand what they do but that's why we observe uh, our day of worship on Sunday okay and that's why we do what we do because of those reasons so the precepts were revealed and then we see the promises were repeated the promises were repeated and let's go to chapter 24 Chapter 24, and notice what it says in verse 3. So all this has happened. All these precepts have been given. And now, uh, if you, you notice, now it's time to ratify the covenant. All right? And now Moses is going to come. He's going to have the, the sons of Aaron, and they're going to build an altar, and they're going to sacrifice and put burnt offerings on that altar. And Moses is going to take the blood from those sacrifices. And he's going to use that blood to ratify the covenant. And the first thing he's going to do is going to go and he's going to sprinkle the blood on the altar. And then he's going to go and take the other half of the blood and he's going to sprinkle the blood on the people. Now this is the only time that the nation of Israel is done, this is done to Israel. But the blood is sprinkled on them, ratifying, saying, as we would say today, sign on the dotted line. All right, the, the covenant is ratified, it's agreed to, the people have agreed to do it, and now it's enforced. All right, now it's, now it's the, this, this agreement with God's people. And it says here in verse 3, And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, 
all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. And it's ratified. They've agreed to obey it. They've agreed to follow it. Notice what it says in verse 7. And he took the book of the covenant. He's written out the, all these laws. He's written them out. And uh, they're there before the people. And he and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. So twice they've said, we will follow. In conclusion tonight, we as believers are to live according to the New Testament, which is a higher standard of rules and regulations than the Old Testament. And our ability to do that is because of our salvation, because of the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in our lives and walking in the Spirit and following Him, and He will lead us to be obedient to Christ. And that's so important because uh, that's how, you know, how do you know you love the Lord? You'll follow him. You'll obey him. And, of course, Israel failed over and over again. And, you know, let's don't be too hard on Israel. We fail sometimes, too. We make our mistakes. I make a mistake. We all make mistakes. But praise the Lord. Uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, still in the book. If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we thank God for that. But uh, we we are called to a higher standard. And let's be faithful as we uh, follow those. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you again. Thank you for your word. And Lord, Lord, just help us to be faithful to you. Lord, uh, to love you and to... Love one another according as you have called us to. And we just, uh, Lord, just help us here at the Bethel Baptist Church uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ that uh, we would just be a church that would be honoring to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.